Hello, I'm Tyler Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, It has been a few months since the last episode. Hopefully, I will be able to record more episodes in the future. I actually have several ideas. Um, In the meantime, many of you know that uh, the reason that I have been so busy is because my wife, Jen, and I uh, adopted twin newborn boys uh, that we named Dashiell and Jasper, and they are coming up on three months old, and that is very exciting. It's been a really amazing few months, a very tiring few months, a very frustrating few months, uh, all of that. Um, Being a, a new father at 38 is an interesting experience because you know, that's, that's a long time doing things your own way. And that is what Jen and I have been doing. Um, you know, if we wanted to go out to a restaurant, that's what we would do. If we wanted to go on a vacation, we would do that. Uh, but now obviously that is something that, uh, requires a little bit more planning and a little bit more sacrifice. The fact that it's happening in the midst of, uh, this pandemic is also, um, I think, uh, creating a a real sense of limitation uh, for us that uh, sometimes has led me to feel a little bit lonely, which is strange considering that I, you know, live with uh, another person. Um, But uh, yeah, when you can't like go out with friends or or whatever, um, or or be in the same physical presence as as other people, it can lead to a sense of, of isolation and loneliness, which is, you know, with me, it has led to a a real sense of, um, melancholy and, and alienation and all that. But thankfully uh, I was able to uh, move past that. And I'm definitely in a really good space now. Not that I was ever in a really bad space, but, uh, I definitely felt a little bit overwhelmed at the idea of, of fatherhood. And, um, but now as we sort of settle into a routine and as the kids themselves are starting to develop personalities and express emotion and they're able to smile and not exactly laugh so much as make kind of a weird gurgling noise, but it's really cute. Um, and we are just so grateful to the, uh, the birth, uh, family who, chose us to, to raise these kids. And, uh, I'm so grateful to, to all of you who provided prayers and encouragement and in some cases, uh, money because we did, uh, do a fundraiser back in September to recoup some of the costs of adoption, which are considerable. And, uh, and many of you, uh, contributed to that and it was, it's, it's great. Uh, we were able to raise, 
uh, all the money that we needed, which is really good because due to COVID, uh, this is a, this is a pretty slow season of life. Uh, as you know, Jen is a wedding photographer and the wedding business, especially in Los Angeles is not exactly booming, but I talked about that already. So, uh, Today, I just wanted to, this is going to be probably a, a shorter episode. Um, I realized that often in the past when I've said that, the episode winds up being longer than most. But uh, but as I am talking about not even a, a full-length movie, uh, maybe that will lead to uh, a shorter episode. Um, yeah, today I'm going to be talking about A Charlie Brown Christmas, the TV special that came out in 1965 and aired on uh, uh Oh, shoot. Now I don't even remember what network it was, but that's all right. Um, so, uh, I should say that this was the companion film for uh, a movie, uh, that we talked about several years ago. So I have talked about, uh, this film before, but I felt like, uh, discussing something Christmas related. Um, as I said, there will be more episodes in the future, hopefully in the next few weeks, actually. And uh, we can get back on track as far as uh, more than one lesson. But uh, at the same time, you know, life stuff comes up and I might not be able to do it, but I'll do it where I can because I do enjoy doing this show. Um, and I do miss it when when I when a long period of time has gone by. But um, anyway, uh, so, yeah, uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas is my favorite Christmas I mean, I guess it's not a movie, so it's my favorite Christmas program, whatever you want to call it. Um, there are plenty of Christmas movies that I love. I adore uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. I really love It's a Wonderful Life. I'm a big fan of the uh, the 90s um, uh, Miracle on 34th Street, so I, I like a lot of these. Now, there are plenty of Christmas movies and Christmas specials that I think are a little bit manipulative, and I don't necessarily like those. But the ones that I find work best for me have an air of melancholy, um, which should come as a surprise to nobody uh, who is a fan of this show. Um, but I think my reason for that is because I've often found Christmas to be, you know, obviously a very joyous season, but also uh, kind of there's a, a sense of mourning and a sense of melancholy. And it might have to do with the fact that it happens in December when it's often dark outside. You know, the sun is not out for very long. Uh, and in many parts of the of the world, it's very cold. And it's just uh, kind of a the, the month itself just seems a little bit lonely. And so I think it's that um, combined with the idea. Um, I, I was talking about this on a recent uh, Battleship Pretension. Uh, there's so much anticipation of Christmas. You know, you spend, especially these days where essentially once uh, Halloween is over, if you go out to any store, you will see that uh, the Halloween section is very quickly changed into a Christmas section where they have ornaments and decorations and all of that uh, because Thanksgiving is not really that type of holiday where uh, people decorate for it. So they jump immediately from Halloween to Christmas. Um, which means that's that's almost two straight months of anticipation. And, you know, when I was a kid, I loved Christmas. I love Christmas now, but I always loved Christmas partially because it meant that I got time off of school, but it also meant presents and not just getting them. I also enjoyed giving them. Uh, and I really enjoyed the 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 decorations um, and putting up the tree. And 
I don't know. There are times where I would just uh, like turn off the light in the living room and just turn the lights on the tree and just sit there and bask in the glow of the Christmas tree. And that is something that I still do sometimes now. Um, it is helped along by the fact that our cat, Charlie, the moment we put up a Christmas tree, he will lay underneath it. And, you know, there's just something about an old cat laying under a Christmas tree that is just, uh, oh my, just delightful. So, um, so I, I always, and, and you know what, I also really enjoyed the togetherness, the family togetherness. Um, when I was uh, a kid, uh, we would essentially have three Christmases. We would have the Smith family, which was just me and my brother and my parents. And then we would have the Sissel family, which was my mom's family. And then we would have the Dickinson family, which was my, uh, on my dad's side. And so, you know, Christmas would actually last several days because we all lived in California. And so, uh, we could actually conceivably do this, which was uh, pretty exciting. Um, and then, you know, you get older and things change. And I think maybe that's part of it as well. Uh, the pure joy of gift giving and getting and hanging out with family and all of that, that starts to, that's, it doesn't necessarily go away, but it takes on different connotations. Um, because there can be an obligatory aspect to Christmas. Like you're happy to give people gifts, but there's this, this understanding that you have to get them gifts and that, um, that, you know, what if you get them the wrong thing or what if you spend too much money, uh, on the gift or whatever it is. Um, there's just all of these things that, that play into the season. Um, you know, people have opinions about like, oh, you know, you're putting your lights up too early. You're listening to Christmas music too early. Um, you know, everybody has a very strong opinion. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie, which is a, an argument that once again on Battleship Pretension, we were talking about uh, uh, an increasingly, it's an increasingly tedious argument on either side. Uh, just let people like what they like. It's fine if die, if die Hard, if you think it's a Christmas movie, good for you. I think I probably do too. It, who cares? Um, but I do think that, that, you know, also family dynamics change, uh, certainly in my family. I mean, people have passed away. People have gotten remarried. Um, you know, I live in California. My brother lives in Colorado. My mom lives in Texas. Uh, and then Jen's family lives in Minnesota. And so it becomes a little bit harder to create that sense of, uh, connectedness with, with family. And so, uh, certainly as, as we've gotten older, uh, Christmas has become a, a thing that we do with friends and there's nothing wrong with that. That actually, uh, can be very rewarding as well. But, uh, I think it is just, I think because it's such a big deal when we're kids and we enjoy it so much when we're kids and we don't realize all of the logistics, uh, both emotionally and practically, um, that go into it. Um, and then as you get older, you start to understand that. And so Christmas takes on this different vibe and all of this, I think plays into a Charlie Brown Christmas, which is, you know, for those that don't no, I imagine you probably would. Um, there is a, a there was a comic strip done by Charles Schultz uh, called Peanuts, and it's centered primarily around Charlie Brown, who 
was a main character who was uh, pretty melancholy himself. He could be uh, a little bit pessimistic. Um, he, he always meant well, but he always, he seemed to always mess things up. Um, other people seem to have disdain for him <laughs> somehow. It's very strange. If you go back and, and, and look at the, uh, I believe it's the very first Peanuts, um, comic strip, you have, uh, a, a character, talking about Charlie Brown as he walks up and they're like, Oh, Charlie Brown, good old Charlie Brown. And then when he's a walk, as he walks away, they just say like, I loathe him or something like that. Uh, it's always been an odd, it's always been an odd strip, uh, partially because you have, you know, these kids who often have a, a certain adult mentality, um, especially Linus and Lucy and then Charlie Brown himself. And certainly that is something that has always appealed to me. Um, uh, people have compared me to Charlie Brown in the past. Um, in high school, uh, there was talk of doing uh, a production of uh, "You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown," and uh, the the instructor, uh, not instructor, the, the pardon me, the theater teacher was like, he goes, "Well, obviously Tyler will be Charlie Brown." And I was like, "Oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense." Um, so that that character definitely uh, appeals to me, but I think. Underneath, you know, I realize I just described what could be seen as a very bleak comic strip, um, but uh, but there was also a real humanity there, and you saw that these characters really did care for each other, uh, and maybe were posturing a little bit when it came to the adulthood stuff, and they were trying to sound like adults without ever quite being them. Um, and that really plays into a Charlie Brown Christmas, which has a lot, there's a, so many different aspects to it. Uh, I think it's beautifully animated, but it's also very simplistically animated. And I think that's part of the appeal, um, especially when dealing with backgrounds. Uh, there's this wonderful scene where Charlie Brown and uh, Linus go to a, a Christmas tree farm or whatever you call it, lot. And, you know, they're walking around, but the, the background is almost abstract in its simplicity uh, as they deal with, uh, you know, Christmas trees that are just triangles with almost no detail to them. And it's uh, something that, uh, I don't know, I, I think as a kid, I, I liked that, but I couldn't quite put my finger on why. And I think now I'm able to probably over-intellectualize it and say that it's, it's, it boils everything down to its essence. Um, and then the characters interact with that, um, which is kind of the way the world of Charlie Brown is anyway. Um, so many of the characters and so much of what they say is really a boiling down of some of the more complex, uh, aspects of adulthood. Um, but because they're kids, they get to, they, they have to try to comprehend it in a more simplistic way, which then forces us to comprehend it in a more simplistic and more abstract way. So anyway, um, so I think it's, a, it's a really beautifully animated, um, special and it's also a little bit uh, episodic, which makes sense. Uh, it's written by Charles Schultz. And so, uh, there are sequences that feel like just a little three panel comic strip, uh, that is animated and voiced and has music behind it. And, so, you know, it's, it's not, uh, a, a film, sorry, it's not a TV show, whatever you want to call it special, um, that has like a very clear through line or a very clear story. You know, when you watch how the Grinch stole Christmas, uh, that has a very simplistic and clear story. Whereas this, the, the story is more based around like a vibe, 
um, and it's, and it is Charlie Brown's vibe around Christmas. Um, I have a line here where he says, I think there must be something wrong with me, Linus. Christmas is coming, but I'm not happy. I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. I like getting presents and sending Christmas cards and decorating trees and all that, but I'm still not happy. I always end up feeling depressed. And that is the through line of, of the show. It's not, uh, you know, they, they're putting on a, on a, uh, a Christmas play and Charlie Brown is tapped to direct it. Um, but nobody really responds to his directing, but that's, you know, it's not like we, the, the whole special ends with this, uh, amazing production or anything like that. Uh, that's just sort of window dressing. The, the story here is not really the, the, the issue. Um, it's not really the driving force as opposed to Charlie Brown's attitude, which is, I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. And, you know, that's something that I definitely, and maybe you do as well, um, in regards to Christmas, but also just thing, life in general. I often feel like I look at how other people react to things and I feel like, oh, I, I, I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. Um, especially when it comes to matters of faith and, and the things in life that are meant to encourage us. Um, and meant to give us joy and uh, give us uh, energy and, and all of that. Um, and that includes marriage. That includes, you know, in my case, fatherhood, like all of these things that people cite as like, oh, this is an amazing thing. It is an amazing thing. Absolutely. But uh, sometimes I understand something intellectually, but I don't necessarily understand it emotionally, or at least it doesn't register emotionally. Um, you know, I don't know... Uh, God help me, I'm going to actually talk about uh, the Enneagram here. Um, the, the Enneagram is like a, a nine different personality types, and most people fall into one predominantly more than the others. And uh, I, I like the Enneagram insofar as it can be helpful in like dealing with, with other people. I don't necessarily like the idea of it being prescriptive, where someone says, well, hey, I'm a three, and this is how we threes are. I don't like that. But if it can help you to relate to somebody else, I'm very much in favor of, of embracing it. Any tool that can help you connect with someone else, go ahead and embrace it. Um, and, but I will say that, uh, that, you know, looking at the Enneagram, uh, I, I, I am a number four um, and pretty definitively, too. Um, so much so that when I read it, I'm just like, oh, boy. I thought I was unique, but I guess I'm not, which incidentally is a Enneagram four way of thinking. Um, but, uh, f fours, uh, I hate even, even talking this way, but fours are feelers. Like the, nothing is really, uh, legitimate. Um, nothing is really tangible unless it can be felt. And so, uh, even though I'm somebody who tries to be intellectual, like usually the stuff that, that rings true is stuff that hits me on an emotional level. And so when I think of something like my Christian faith, or I think of something honestly like Christmas, something that I know I believe, something that I know I love, um, you know, when you, when you know something for so long, the, the feeling, you just kind of get accustomed to it. And then the feeling starts to go away and you're only left with the intellectual understanding of it. And that's actually one of the things that I, again, that I love about the, uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas is he understands that he likes all of these things. I like getting presents and sending Christmas cards and decorating trees. He likes all that, but he's still not happy. Um, 
you know, that's a thing that he knows. And then, you know, obviously, uh, Linus in, in a, in a, an important aspect of, of the, uh, the special, he goes and he quotes the Bible and he talks about like what Christmas is all about. And, um, you know, he talks about the, the birth of Christ and obviously that is what Christmas is all about. Now I'm not at all opposed to somebody liking trees and gift giving and all of that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, but yes, Christmas is ultimately about, uh, the hope that comes from, uh, Jesus birth. But at the same time, you know, uh, when Linus says that I do find it encouraging, but at the same time, I'm, I'm already accustomed to this idea and it really is a shame, um, in a way when the stuff that previously would provide us with hope or at least like provide us with a very tangible emotional response, you just grow accustomed to it. And then suddenly the, the thing itself feels a little bit less real, at least to me. And maybe it's the same with you. And I think it's very much the same with the character of Charlie Brown. And I think this is a character who, who understands all of this stuff intellectually, um, and is trying to put it into practice and often comes up short and needs to be reminded of the real meaning of things and the importance of things and the importance of getting outside of one's own perception. Uh, you know, one thing when Jen and I, you know, when I'm sort of in the thick of my own uh, depression or whatever, uh, Jen has to remind me of what the truth is. And I feel bad that she has to do that, but that's a big part of it. It's just like, yeah, you can't trust your feelings today. You need to focus on what you know and as opposed to what you feel. And that's, it's, fr it's frustrating when those things are at war, but honestly, uh, I'm, I'm grateful that I have somebody in my life who can remind me of what is true. And, uh, from a Christian standpoint, I think that's the importance of the Bible and the importance of church and the importance of interacting with fellow Christians because, uh, you know, they are the ones that will remind you of the truth when you have maybe become so accustomed to, uh, Christianity that it doesn't really feel that novel anymore. It doesn't feel that exciting anymore. Um, and what I also wanted to talk about in regards to this, uh, this special is, you know, in talking about that melancholy and talking about the depression that Charlie Brown is, is going through, you know, the, the one of the last, um, moments of, of the special, um, Charlie Brown has, uh, has seen something as he's, he and Linus are looking for a Christmas tree. He sees like a little, almost dead Christmas tree. It's like a little twig basically, but it appeals to him. He, he can't even really, um, he can't even really verbalize why it appeals to him. He, he only knows that it does. And he wants, and he says, let's buy this and this will get, uh, you know, this will, will get everybody in the Christmas spirit. Uh, but when he finally, so he buys it and, uh, and everyone laughs and it's like, what, that's not even a, that's not even a real Christmas tree. That's ridiculous. Like they don't see any, the potential in it that he does. Um, but that's the thing is him being who he is, like he does tend to doubt himself a little bit and by a little bit, I mean constantly. Um, and so when other people laugh, he feels like, okay, yeah, I've, I screwed everything up. And then finally, uh, he does, he puts a single ornament on the tree and it folds over and, and would appear to, it appears to be dead at that point. Um, and then Charlie says, 
I killed it, everything I touch gets ruined. And he walks away dejected, and then it's Linus who earlier was the one who reminded Charlie Brown and the rest of us what Christmas is really all about, and it is about hope, it is about redemption, it's about uh, a savior, which is to say it's about something that previously could be seen as dead or irredeemable suddenly becoming redeemable, and that's the hope of it. And so he he looks at the tree, and it's interesting because even he said, like, he goes, uh, he's like, I don't know if people are going to really embrace this tree. So, uh, you know, if anyone could see the, the, the potential of this tree, it should be him. But, uh, but instead, you know, he doesn't necessarily mock it like some of the other people do, but he, he's not necessarily on board with getting it in the first place. But anyway, uh, once Charlie Brown is, is positive that he has killed this tree and that everything, everything he touches gets ruined, which is a pretty rough sentiment, uh, honestly, um, you know, Linus and some of the other uh, kids are able to see what Charlie Brown saw. And so I have a number of, of Bible verses here because I think at some point we have all felt, and I'm, uh, I feel like a, a hack preacher saying it's like, you know, I think we've all felt like Charlie Brown at some point. Um, but I think that probably is true, uh, especially um, when we feel alone, when we try to do something and it is not rewarded uh, in any way. In fact, it's just mocked. Um, or when we don't feel the way we're supposed to feel as he's talking about. Um, and so, I mean, I certainly, obviously I know that I have, have felt that way. Uh, and so I have a, a number of Bible verses here. Um, the first is, uh, Psalm 34 verses 17 through 22. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and save and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his he protects all his bones, not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked, the foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one will no one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. And so that moment where, you know, he's close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You know, when you have Charlie Brown saying everything I touch gets ruined, I'd say that probably qualifies. Um, but then, uh, we come to second Corinthians 12 verses nine through 10, which is something that I have quoted many times on this show. Uh, but he said to me, this is Paul talking, uh, and the he here is God. But he said, to, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And whether it be Charlie Brown himself or his tree, which looks, again, like it, it's so weak that it can't hold up a single... Um, a single ornament, uh, you know, this is, that is the, about as weak as you get, but God does not look at that weakness and say, well, there's only so much I can do here. Uh, instead, uh, he is able to work with that weakness and sort of prop it up with his own strength and in doing so redeem it. And, uh, and we rely on him and that might not sound like strength. 
that might sound like the essence of weakness if we are relying on somebody else. But if we are relying on God, who is strength personified, you know, he has the strength to create and the strength to destroy. Um, and if we are able to recognize real power and, and try to lean on that in times when we are not certainly feeling strong, uh, then that is a, that is a sort of borrowed strength, but it's also a, a different type of strength, the, the strength that recognizes when it needs help and that it can't do something on its own. Um, and then we've got Philippians 3, verses 10 through 14. I want to know Christ, yes, to the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Um, now this is, you know, uh, this probably does require some, some context, but I do like the, the concept here of recognizing that you, you are not, that one is not perfect, uh, that one still needs to actively move forward, um, recognizing what the goal is, which is being like Christ and eventually being one with Christ and realizing like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not there yet, but just cause I'm not there doesn't mean that I stop moving. Um, and it's, it's, I know all this is probably a weird thing to talk about in regards to a Charlie Brown Christmas, but you know, this is a, a special about someone who in a, in a time of, uh, a time of happiness and joy and all of the things that Christmas is, uh, he's unable to, to find that. Um, and then eventually like the, the moments, the, the things that he is put in charge of, he, he messes up. And so he feels weak. He feels brokenhearted. He feels crushed in spirit. Um, and certainly he's very aware that he is not, he's not arrived at where he's supposed to be both as someone who likes Christmas, but also just as a person in general. Uh, and Philippians here says, yes, we do know that, but we keep pushing on, you know, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus, uh, which suggests that like, yes, God calls us first. And as long as we focus on that, um, we just need to keep moving forward. And so, uh, I did want to, I did want to end by talking about, um, the, the last moment of the special, which, uh, you know, Charlie has ostensibly killed his little tree, said everything I touch gets ruined and he runs away. And then Linus says, I never thought it was such a bad little tree. It's not bad at all. Really. Maybe it just needs a little love. And he takes his blanket. And if you know, the character of Linus. He always has his security blanket uh, with him and he takes it and wraps it around the tree. And then all the kids, you know, they crowd around it and they essentially transform it into something that that little tree could never have been, which is a modest, but beautiful looking tree. And then they, uh, they call, you know, and then Charlie Brown comes over and he sees what his tree has become with a little love. And he's astonished. And then all the kids say, 
Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. And they all start singing and that's the end of the special. It's, it ends kind of abruptly, but I do really love the idea of, of the, the, this, this sentiment, this story, this idea of redemption, like the tree has been redeemed, but also Charlie Brown has been redeemed. He's the one that saw the hope in it in the first place. And even, and, and then he doubts that, but his, his ability to see that inspires other people until they actually fulfill on the, the promise that he essentially made. Um, and so that is so encouraging. And that's such a, that's such a Christmas idea that even when you know the truth, uh, even when you understand what Christmas really is all about, um, or all the good things that can come with it, uh, it's very, it's still very easy to forget that, especially if we're not really feeling it. Um, and, Someone else might have to come along and remind us that this is not merely uh, a season of joy and happiness, but the source of that joy and happiness is the idea of renewal and redemption and restoration and being changed from something that would appear to be weak into something that is strong and solid and it just needs a little love. And that is ultimately what Christmas is all about, is God loving us so much that he, this is something I have to remind myself of around Christmas. Uh, We're talking about God who is uh, this infinite, in every sense of the word, this infinite being who chose to limit himself to a physical body that smells and uh, you got to do all kinds of gross things with it to keep it uh, together. Um, He chose to limit himself to that, um, so that he could live a, a perfect life, the, the perfect life that none of us have, have lived and then pay the price for our imperfection. And, you know, that's a huge, that's a huge deal. And it is about reconciliation and redemption. And that is indeed the, the, the good news, the, the good tidings of great joy as, as is discussed. And, you know, if you're like me, that the understanding of that can, can give you a little, maybe a little burst of excitement. Um, and then maybe you just kind of fall back into, cause it's not necessarily, if you've been Christian for a while, it's not necessarily a new concept. Um, but I, I, I go back to something that a friend of mine said, which is, which is, you know, you, you really need to start preaching the gospel to yourself. Maybe every day, really remind yourself every day of how amazing this thing is. The idea of, of forgiveness, the idea of redemption. Um, and so that's something that doesn't have to be, uh, that doesn't have to be limited specifically to Christmas. Um, but this is definitely the time when we speak a little bit more openly about the gospel, because that is what, uh, that is what a lot of the songs are about. And that is what Christmas is rooted in. Um, and the joy that we all feel for Christmas, even if we, even if we uh, aren't aren't Christian or we don't even re- really believe any of that, um, we do still seem to kind of understand that this is a time of year when we want to be a little bit more selfless. And that is rooted in the idea of God being so selfless, in fact, that he was willing to limit himself so that we could be connected and, and be eternal with him. And so, uh, you know, I do hope that I, I'd, I'd encourage you if you haven't seen, it, I'm sure you have, but, uh, maybe if you haven't seen it, 
this year, go and watch a Charlie Brown Christmas because I feel like it really captures so much of what a lot of people, especially as they get older, are feeling around this time of year where they know how they should feel, but they don't because they're so aware of the obligation. They're aware of the lack uh, of family or connectedness or whatever it is, especially this year when uh, we can't really connect the way that we have before. Um, you know, we, Jen and I were going to have family come out for Christmas and then there was that spike, uh, especially here in Los Angeles and people decided like, no, let's, we don't think we're going to come out, which is probably the best thing, but it definitely is sad, you know, uh, and it's sad for, for our family as well. They wanted to come out and, and see, our kids, um, and they weren't able to, and that's a, that's a very sad thing. And so in moments like this, it's very easy to feel like Charlie Brown and feel like, man, what if, you know, I, I don't, I feel, I just feel depressed. Um, and I would just encourage you to, you know, preach the gospel to yourself because at the, at the core of Christmas is the gospel. That's what it's all about. Um, and just remind yourself how amazing this season is at its core. And maybe you'll feel uh, a, a burst of, of joy and energy, and maybe you won't. And, and that's okay. Um, that is very much what this special is about, is not necessarily uh, condemning yourself for not feeling certain things and instead just acknowledging intellectually, maybe what you're unable to feel emotionally. Um, so that's, that's all very, you know, that's all very complex and probably a bit repetitive as well. Um, but I would really, uh, encourage you during this, this season, um, to focus on, you know, as Linus says about the tree, like it's not such a bad little tree. Maybe it just needs a little love and, out of that love, this tree is transformed. And that is what you can be. That is what I can be by embracing, uh, Christ's love during this season. So anyway, uh, as you can tell, I'm a, I'm a little bit rusty. It's been a while since I've, uh, done an episode of more than one lesson. So I hope, uh, I hope this hasn't been too tedious for you. Um, but, uh, in the meantime, uh, thank you as always for listening. You're always welcome to comment at more than one lesson.com. You can follow me on Twitter at more lessons. You can email me Tyler at more than one lesson.com. And uh, yeah, it's good to be back. Once again, thank you everybody for your encouragement during uh, this very strange time uh, in my life. And uh, hopefully there'll be another episode in the next, uh, next couple weeks. So thanks a lot. We'll get you next time.